This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Callan Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Ford says it's at a big disadvantage on UAW costs. Model Y price cuts power Tesla sales. And Geneva aims to bring its show back in 2024. Plus, a dealer reflects on his career in the market. Yeah, but this is okay. It can always be better, and I, I like to say it'll be better if you come and buy a car. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. UAW leaders on Wednesday marked the start of what are expected to be contentious contract negotiations with the Detroit Three in a non-traditional way by visiting auto plants and speaking directly with members. UAW President Sean Fain and other members of the International Executive Board appeared outside Stellantis Sterling Heights assembly plant early this morning and plan to be at General Motors and Ford Motor Company plants later in the day. The union chose the plant photo ops instead of the traditional handshakes with company executives to kick off negotiations. Fain said workers told him they want to see an end to the two-tiered wage system, an end to temporary workers, and the reinstatement of benefits such as cost of living adjustments and pensions. Fain told reporters, quote, Since the Great Recession, we haven't gained really anything, and the companies have made a quarter of a trillion dollars in profits in the last decade. In fact, UAW members have gotten wage increases, more generous tweaks to the formula used to calculate profit-sharing checks, and caps on the number of temporary workers. But Fain is seeking to win back virtually all concessions lost since 2007. Ford leaders are proud to say the company employs more UAW workers and builds more vehicles in the U.S. than any other automaker, but it's costing them. Manufacturing 80% of its vehicles in the U.S. puts Ford at a $1 billion annual cost disadvantage versus General Motors and Stellantis, company sources told Automotive News. Ford employs roughly 57,000 union workers in the U.S., that's about 11,000 more than GM and 16,500 more than Stellantis. Compared with foreign automakers that have non-union workers, Ford has a roughly $9 an hour labor cost gap. All in, the company said it spends on average of $112,000 on wages and benefits per hourly worker. Tesla's red-hot growth is being driven mostly by its Model Y crossover after price cuts and incentives this year. Its other EVs showed mixed results, according to five-month U.S. new vehicle registration data from Experian. Including all four of its models, the Texas automaker gained 51% in registrations in the January to May period for a total of 270,000 vehicles, Experian data showed. That was good for 60% of the expanding EV market, down from 67% a year ago. Overall, EV registrations in the U.S. represented 7% of the light vehicle market in the five-month period, up from 4.6% for the same period last year. EV volume rose 68% to almost 450,000 registrations, based on the Experian data. Model Y registrations more than doubled to around 168000 The crossover starting price now is less than $50,000, including shipping, down from more than 67000 before the price cuts. The Geneva Auto Show aims to return in 2024 
with the new affordable concept for exhibitors and visitors. The exhibition previously held every year has not been held since it was canceled in 2020 in the early days of the coronavirus outbreak. Organizers plan to hold the show from February 26 to March 3rd next year in its traditional home at the Powell Expo Convention Center near the Geneva Airport with a modified exhibition concept and lower hotel costs. To counter rumors that it's just a half-hearted attempt, the show's managing director told Automobile Volca, a sibling publication of Automotive News, that, quote, the halls in Geneva have been rented and also already paid for. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with the UAW visiting plants instead of doing the traditional handshake, how does this influence the upcoming talks? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, on the one hand, of course, as we discussed yesterday, he's trying to avoid the optics of doing the handshakes and uh, probably not a hug, but uh, the the optics of doing the things with the corporate executives. But what's also really important, aside from the visual elements of it, is getting out and connecting with the workers. You know, he's only been in leadership for a short time. He only only about 7% of UAW members voted for him to become president. Again, it's the most anyone's gotten, the most votes anyone's gotten for president because they used to only be elected by delegates. But, you know, he's got to build support among the rank and file especially when it comes time to get the ratification votes. After the deals have been negotiated and he wants to get them done, get them locked in, he's going to need those folks to show up and vote. Gotcha. Coming up, Detroit area auto dealer Gregory Jackson discussed the future of his business as he prepares to hand over leadership to the next generation. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Gregory Jackson has been in the auto business for 30 years, a product of General Motors' dealer development program. He has Cadillac and Mercedes-Benz stores in the Detroit area, and as he rolls toward handing over leadership of the stores to his daughter, he took a little time to talk with me about the state of the market, the role of diversity in serving customers, and also how race continues to be a problem in American commerce and American life. I reached him at his Mercedes store in St. Clair Shores, a suburb of Detroit. Gregory Jackson, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you so much, Jamie. So you sell luxury vehicles in Southeast Michigan, both domestic and German. How's business? Yeah, business is okay. It can always be better. And I I like to say it'll be better if you come and buy a car. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, business business is not too bad. It's, It's been okay. I mean... Looking at it from the outside, you sell Cadillacs, you're in the same town as the General Motors Technical Center. 
Seems like a prime location. Are, are a lot of your customers GM employees? We do have a lot of uh, employees that are GM employees. And of course, being in the Motor City, most of our customers still take advantage of the GM employee discounts. It seems as though everyone has uh, either a relative or a friend attached to General Motors where they can get the friends and, uh, and family discounts. So yes, most of our, our sales are associated with that. All right. So what are your biggest concerns looking out to the rest of the year? Are you worried about a, a UAW strike or high interest rates, something else on your mind? You know, it, you know, that's a good question. Interestingly enough, I'm not really concerned about a UAW strike. I know there's been some murmurings, but there's always some murmurings about that. As, you know, when you come up to contract time, I think I'm, I might be even a little bit more concerned about the economy. And I think it's more the fear that's in the economy than, than really what, what the economy is. Janet Yellen this morning was saying that everything's going great. We don't believe we're going to see a, 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 a recession. But I think that uh, there's a constant stoking of fear that seems to be going on. But the good news is that auto sales are running, I think, a million, million and a half uh, above what everyone projected for the first half of the year. So consumer confidence, I think, is up a lot greater than people thought, along with it seems as though the American public still has a lot of money in its pocket mm -hmm, to spend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, consumers and uh, and businesses both spending more than more than people thought. Everyone was yes, worried we'd yes, have a yes. have a recession already, and it's at least hasn't happened yet. So good progress. So earlier this year, uh, during Black History Month, your Cadillac store and you and your adult children, I believe, uh, were featured in the Play My Cadillac campaign. What, what was that experience like? That was, that was really exciting. I, uh, over the last 30 years that I've been in business, I've never wanted to promote myself personally. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my younger adult children, uh, they feel a little bit different. They think there's marketing value and people knowing who we are and maybe knowing a little bit about our story. So they really had to convince me to get involved with that. The interesting thing was that General Motors came to us, Cadillac, and said, hey, we wanted to do a, a commercial. We were thinking about, uh, quote unquote, this regal black man who owns a Cadillac dealership and is now passing on the store to uh, the next generation. And as we were talking about doing it, and we were looking at getting these actors to come and, uh, and do it, someone in the room said, well, you know, there is a black guy that has a Cadillac store who happens to be down the street from the Cadillac headquarters. <laughs> Everybody went, what the hell, right? <laughs> so, And so that's how that kind of happened. Then, of course, they had to convince me of it. It came out phenomenal. We've had massive amount of calls from people from around the country, people we know and don't know who've seen it on television. Cadillac seems like it really uh, has loved it because it continues to not only play it during Black History Month, but they've been running it. It seems when they run a commercial behind any show that is geared to an African-American market, hmm. that, that, that commercial tends to pop up. So the legs on that commercial are really, really long. They're getting all the value out of it. And quite frankly, it came out to be wonderful. It's a wonderful commercial. It does show me. It showed me open, opening the store. It shows Cadillac's great products, everything from the new Lyric to a 1956 Cadillac, kind of uh, highlighting the legacy of Cadillac. 
It shows my adult children that I am actually part of our succession plan there, starting to take over the business now. Annika Jackson Odebo and, um, and Gregory Jordan Jackson, my son, are starting to step up and take over the business. So it showed me passing the company on to them or passing the keys on to them. It came out fantastic. Yeah, it was very sharp. Very yeah. sharp. We're very, we're very proud of it. So tell me about the makeup of your, your personnel, your staff, and, and how does that align with your, with your customer base? or what's, uh, what's it look like? That's a good question. And we are very proud that not only now, but over the 30-year history of my uh, being in the auto industry, we've always had a very diverse staff. Our customer base, and this is at both of our stores, are probably 60%, I'd say Caucasian, mm-hmm. and 40% other, maybe 20% African-American, 20% other. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud that over, once again, not only now, but over, over the life of our uh, existence, as um, you know, Prestige Automotive. Our staff is probably 30, 40% African-American. Mm-hmm. And I think that you won't find another auto dealership in the metro area. You might even be hard to find a high quota of African-Americans working in any auto dealership in all positions, all types of management positions, as well as down to, or like what well, I like to say, right up to being a car wash reporter at any other store in the metro area, if not across America. We have a large African-American following, and we're proud that we've been able to uh, hire people that look like us, Mm -hmm. while at the same time hiring people of all others. Uh, We've got people from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing amount of women. I mean, women are really in control around here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And they're of all all, uh, colors, ethnicity, shapes, and sizes. But they are really, uh, uh, and, I, and I say that a little bit just because my daughter, Annika jackson Odebo is in the process of su- succeeding me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's already president of the company, and she'll eventually succeed me all the way. Our office manager, manager Stephanie Potter, who's been with me eight, nine, ten years now, eight, nine years, is a key figure. Obviously, female. Our marketing director, Ms. Renee Logan. Uh, our special pro- projects lady, who is kind of like my right hand assistant, same same thing. So, so we're very proud of uh, diverse staff, both ethnically as well as gender wise. Is racism a sig- still a significant problem in auto retail? Do do black customers feel unwelcome or disrespected in a lot of stores? You know, I think that racism is the scourge of America. And racism still exists, and whether we want to talk about it or not, in everything that we do, it exists in uh, in business, uh, whether it's on the retail side of it. The extent that it exists, I think, is sort of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You can go to one retail establishment, a dealership, and you'll never feel anything. Everything, uh, all the people are wonderful people. And they welcome you to come in to shop with them. To, but then you can go right down the street to somewhere else. And it's a function of who is working in that store. Mm-hmm. It's it's very seldom, I think, the management. Because the management understands it wants to open its arms up to everyone who has dollars. <laughs> yeah. But but if you have people who have their individual ways that they feel and they bring them to to that retail environment, 
or to that work environment, and then they let those reflect on their customers, then then there you go. It's up to management to quell those and and, and to keep an eye out for that and to make sure that employees are not promoting their ideas, their individual ideas of how they might feel politically, religiously, or anything else within that environment. So does racism exist in auto retailing? Yes, absolutely. And I can tell my own stories of, you know, some years ago going in to buy a car or looking to buy a car, even recently going in, uh, and I'm not going to say where, but I was just going to say West Palm Beach, Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at a luxury retailer shopping around with some shorts on one day and and how people were looking at me like, what are you doing in here? This right. is over the last six months. So, yes, it, it, it does exist. There's still um, that, but not only in auto retailing, but in our lives is something we, we must continue to work on. You've been in business now for 30 years. What motivated you in the early 90s to become an entrepreneur, to take on all that risk? Great question. I've been an entrepreneur since I was probably 10 years of age. <laughs> I'm um, proud to say that I've got a birthday coming up in, the, in a couple of uh, days, and I'm going to be a mid-60s person. So I've been an entrepreneur for approximately 55 years. Started out doing odd jobs in my neighborhood, graduated to being a paperboy for six and a half, seven years in the city of Detroit, went directly from there out of high school uh, into college, and I've been working full time since I was in college. Now, a lot of those were different type of entrepreneurial ventures. I left college thinking not that I was going to go work a job, but that I was going to run a business. And so it was shortly after um, leaving college, working for Arthur Anderson, certified public accounting firm, uh, leaving them, going to work as a controller for the Stroh Brewery Company. Stroh mm-hmm. used to be a large brewery of, um, of beverages. We're at Stroh's uh, Park. That's where uh, Crane Headquarters is. That's where I'm sitting right now. That's where Crane's Headquarters are. That's right, Brewery Park. I remember when it was built. Uh, and that used to be the old brewery over there. But I went to work for them. Um, had, had a great position there and left there and started in the cookie business. And that was me and a, another guy who was a friend of mine. We went to, uh, to college together and we were fraternity brothers. Uh, so that was one of my first real entrepreneurial ventures. From there, I got into real estate. One of my clients mentioned to me a gentleman who owned a, uh, a bar, a club, mentioned to me that he was involved in the General Motors dealer development academy mm-hmm. and i said well wow what's that he explained it to me they help train you to be an auto dealer you have to have so much money if you're lucky after you graduate from that training academy somewhere down the road uh they present you with an auto dealership opportunity and you have to put your money up and general motors will lend you the, the other part of the money to buy that store and you pay them back over time i said wow that's interesting i love it find out more about it. He introduced me to the right people. The people at General Motors really liked me. I got into the academy. That was 1989. I graduated a year later. It took me three years to find the right dealership opportunity, which was 1993. And so I was able to purchase my first auto dealership, which was Prestige Pontiac Oldsmobile in Mount Morris, Michigan, right on the northern edge of Flint. We were highly successful there. 
And I'm very proud to say that we uh, ended up doing the fastest buyout of General Motors investment monies that has ever been did at General Motors. It was seven months. Wow. Their, their program was typically five to seven years, but I was actually able to buy out their investment in seven months. Now, I don't know what has happened since then. I don't think anyone's ever been able to buy out that fast <laughs> so far, but I was able to buy out in seven, seven months. After that, start buying one to two auto dealerships a year, and I expanded into other franchises. So you said you have a significant birthday coming up and uh, you're, you're positioning the transition of power. I mean, what's next for Prestige Automotive? Is, uh, was, does your daughter have big ambitions to add, add stores and, and grow the business that way? Or what's, uh, what's the plan? I think that, uh, that both my daughter and Sunday, I think they do have some ambition. They would like to increase the store offerings, the offerings of auto dealerships. Uh, I think right now they're more, they're less focused on growing the number of stores than the maintaining the stability of what we have, doing a good job for, for our customers with these two, uh, two great franchises that we have, uh, both, both Mercedes and Cadillac. I think there's some of two of the best franchises you could have right now. I think Cadillac is is really going places right now. All right. Gregory Jackson, CEO of Prestige Automotive Group and CEO of Jackson Asset Management. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Michael Martinez, Lawrence Iliff, as well as Michael Knauer of Automobile Volca for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the UAW negotiations, auto shows, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.